0: Wow, this is what it looks like. (laughs) It's been a while. I'm glad to be back in the pulpit. I think October 13th, Sunday, was the last time that I preached on a Sunday morning. And so I'm glad to be back with you uh, this morning. If you have your Bible, I invite you to turn to Genesis chapter 19. We'll continue on with our series in Genesis. The most recent chunk of this series began back in chapter 12 with uh, who was then known as Abram. He has, we have since seen his name change to Abraham. And uh, now uh, 19 today. And 1 through 22. The two angels came to Behold, I have two daughters who have not known any man. Let me bring them out to you, and do to them as you please. Only do nothing to these men, for they have come under the shelter of my roof. But they said, Stand back. And they said, This fellow came to sojourn, and he has become the judge. Now we will deal worse with you than with them. Then they pressed hard against the man Lot, and drew near to break the door down. But the men reached out their hands and brought Lot into the house with them and shut the door. And they struck with blindness the men who were at the entrance of the house, both small and great, so that they wore themselves out, groping for the door. And the men said to Lot, Have you anyone else here? Sons-in-law, sons, daughters, or anyone you have in the city, bring them out of the place. For we are about to destroy this place because the outcry against its people has become great before the lord and the lord has sent us to destroy it so lot went out and said to his sons in law who were to marry his daughters up get out of this place for the lord is about to destroy the city but he seemed to his sons in law to be jesting as morning dawned the angels urged lot saying up take your wife and your two daughters who are here lest you be swept away in the punishment of the city But he lingered. So the men seized him and his wife and his two daughters by the hand, the Lord being merciful to him, and they brought him out and set him outside the city. And as they brought them out, one said, Escape for your life. Do not look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the hills, lest you be swept away. And Lot said to them, Oh no, my lords. Behold, your servant has found favor in your sight, and you have shown me great kindness in saving my life, but I cannot escape to the hills, lest the disaster overtake me and I die. Behold, this city is near enough to flee to, and it is a little one. Let me escape there. Is it not a little one? And my life will be saved. He said to him, Behold, I grant you this favor also, that I will not overthrow the city of which you have spoken. Escape there quickly, for I can do nothing till you arrive there. Therefore, the name of the city was called Zor. Lord, we come right now underneath your truth, your word, your authority. Help us to understand. Help us to see these difficult words for what they are. Help us in our hearts and our minds to be open that the Word of God may be helpful to us, effective in all seasons for rebuking and correcting, training and righteousness. We want to honor You, Lord, in our lives, in all ways. I pray that that desire uh, this morning would be uh, very real before us. You would speak to us. You would speak through me, Lord, uh, this morning. Uh, bring Your truth. Help us to have ears to hear, hearts ready and willing to obey. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I did some research preparing for uh, this uh, sermon uh, this week and uh, next. And I found that in uh, 2004, a survey in the United States Uh, found that 60% of the people who responded to the survey were opposed to gay marriage. 30% were in favor, uh, I would assume about 10% in between. That was 2004. 15 years later, in 2019, the numbers have essentially reversed. 60% are in favor... 30% opposed, about 10% in between. I want us today to think about that. It's impossible to preach this passage, to enter into a study of something that happened 4,000 years ago, and ignore our current culture. Ignore what uh, people think about issues of sexuality. And and specifically, as we'll get into today today, homosexuality I want to to speak today in in a cultural background if you saw the the title of this sermon ahead of time uh, at some level I, I can't pull too many punches there's sexual sin and there's blur about God's truth and there's judgment in here there's also rescue and there's hope stay with me but I preach today against a cultural background it's a background that, that deals with the reality of sexual sin. Now, uh, I just want to challenge you today, as you think about where you are, what you think about God's boundaries for sexual activity, uh, I am going to guess that every single person in this room, or every single person who would ever listen to a message like this, has some standard in their mind of something when it comes to human sexuality that is out of bounds. You have some thing, some act something that you think, no, that is a harm, that is wrong, that should not happen. And my question to you today is who makes that decision? Why do you think what you just thought is wrong, why do you think it's wrong? In our culture, there are still some sexual acts that are vilified. Our culture still has some Some way to call sexual sin, sin. Who makes that decision? Is it us? Is it the people on the news? People in the political sides? Academia? Our culture takes its cue from others. Today we'll take our cue from the Bible. We're going to talk today about the reality of God's judgment. In a general sense, people still want those who commit certain sexual crimes to be punished and to be judged. In our society, we want certain sexual offenders to pay. In this passage today, God makes clear judgment. Sexual sin is judged and it is by God. My hope today is to to show you that God does judge sexual sin. I want to show you a passage here from 1 Corinthians 6. You can scan this. This is in the New Testament. This was written a couple of thousand years after the events of Genesis 19 unfolded. And Paul talks about people who stay in certain types of sin, who don't trust God for forgiveness, who don't trust Christ to work in them. They stay in these types of sin. They are excluded from the kingdom of heaven. The language is very clear. There are certain types of sin that are worth naming and putting down and saying, these are the types of things, if you stay in them, that will keep you away from the kingdom of God. We should understand the reality today of God's judgment. Our culture doesn't generally talk this way. And what I want to do today, specifically, knowing and realizing that those that are in this room, or anybody who might listen to this, may have some differing views than this passage or the whole of scripture. There are certain places in our culture where anybody who would speak against certain types of behavior or feelings would be labeled some sort of a bigot, shouted down, stormed out, or even physically attacked. These types of things happen in our culture. I'm not one for any of that. I would say, could we at least just have a conversation? And just say, this is why... I or we happen to believe what scripture says about sexuality I want you to know that I want you to know that I love you and that I care about you and what you think are we able to say these things I would sit and listen and I have sat and listened to others as they explain and I I, I hope that today is not some um, scriptural or holy mic drop hey in the face of everybody who disagrees I think that communicating uh, with truth and love is especially sensitive to a passage like this and the topic as it finds itself in our culture. So let's get into the story. The story itself that I read here in Genesis 19. I uh, will probably apologize in advance. I know that I cannot answer every question that you will have. There are certain elements of sexuality and gender and those sorts of things that uh, are happening in our culture that, that this particular text doesn't exactly speak to. I'll, I'll try to get to some of that as it's appropriate, but I want to let the Word of God speak for itself this morning. All right, so the elements that I, I pull out of here, I, I hope that you see them as, as God's Word, and I want God's words to be what is working this morning and not uh, Pastor Kevin or his wisdom or his ability to speak about this. In the story, God directly communicates. Verse 1, the two angels came to Sodom. And you see throughout this story, this first 22 verses of this chapter, you see the angels having a direct role of communication in this story. They are God's agents of communication. Whenever we see an angel in scripture, they are God's agents of communicating a specific message. And in this story, these uh, two visitors, there were three uh, when they came to visit Abram or Abraham, they are here with a message. They're there on an assignment. They are about to destroy the city. They are the ones God had assigned to do that. They are the ones intervening for someone righteous in a place that God is about to judge. And so, I want us to understand that even in the midst of uh, wickedness, even in the midst of sin, God directly communicates. I believe He still does the same today. Stay tuned. The context of the story involves sin and judgment. I can't yank Genesis 19 out of this and dangle it out and go, hey, see, look at what the Bible says about this little topic here. This will get our antennas up. Boy, this is a lightning rod. No, I can't yank 19 out of the, the context. Let me define sin for a minute. Shorter version than the CEF version I've heard so many times, but sin goes against God. This is to say that God has standards, and sin opposes God. The things that we say, feel, do. It opposes God, His very character, his very nature, his law. Sin is against. Who he is. And so, uh, what is the specific sin that is bringing the judgment? I don't want you to think this morning that this city is being destroyed because a mob of people show up at the house and want pleasure from lots to guests. I don't believe that we can scripturally make that argument that that is exactly why Sodom is being destroyed. If that were the case, the warning wouldn't have come back in chapter 18 when they said there's been a cry against this city. And Abraham pled with God, would there even be ten people righteous in this city, God, that you would save? To that point, there was a cry to God about the wickedness and the evil that was going on in that city. We know that the sin is homosexuality. We know that that's what the mob was demanding. They said they said bring them out. Verse 5. Where are the men who came to you tonight bring them out to us that we may know them. Now the the verb for know them uh, is a term that means a number of different things. But if these two men were being invited out for a cordial conversation and get to know you, uh, A, they would not have turned violent. B, uh, Lot would not have replied, I beg you, my brothers, do not act so wickedly. He knew what they were after. And the word here is used in a sexual way as is common. It is part of the way the word is used. The context shows us that. I want to show you uh, for greater scope of the biblical witness from Jude. This is uh, a little letter that perhaps you've not read before, uh, but it's at the, toward the end of the New Testament. The angels who did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling. He has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. Here's our reference. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued, unnatural desire serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. If the biblical witness wanted to leave Sodom's sin at simply sexual immorality which in the New Testament is a word that generally means sex outside of a marriage covenant. If the, the, if the biblical witness is to leave it there and to say that sexual immorality specifically led to Sodom's downfall, then it would leave out pursuing unnatural desire. Unnatural desire. A word that points us to the homosexual behavior that was going on in Sodom and Gomorrah and led to their destruction. This should not surprise us. Don't be shocked if a man desires another man or a woman desires another woman. It is part of the fallen nature of human beings. And someone's Sexual desire for the same gender is no different than heterosexual sinful desires to color outside of the bounds that God has for us in Scripture. The sins are the same. They should not surprise us. The Bible talks about It's open about it. The passage I read for you in 1 Corinthians even talks about hope, as this is what some of you once were. There is a moving forward in this, so stay with me this morning. There is real biblical hope. I would even say today, though, that sadly the details of this story may not shock some of us. Perhaps we've been desensitized to so much sex through screens, or pornography, or personal experience, that perhaps a group of people demanding the physical bodies of two visitors wouldn't shock us. So as we get into this today, we see the men of the city, young and old, not just a few, a mob to the last man that said lusting for a physical experience and ready to take it by force. In the context of this book, Genesis, that we've been laboring through now for the better part of a couple of years, Genesis shows us a lot of sin. Some of it is specifically sexual sin. If you go back and you look at the heart of the judgment of the flood upon the earth, we can find sexual sin there. In Abraham's story, we can look back and we can see that he used his God-given wife as a cover and lied about his covenant to her and who she was. Then we can see how they conspired to have a child through a servant instead of honoring God's promise. We can see these examples. We can see sin and we can see judgment. It happens in Genesis. So we can't rip the story here out of the context it is a part of how God communicates and so what I want to encourage you to see before we see the resolution of this in God's intervention is a picture of God who sets things in order that's the very beginning of Genesis he spoke everything, the solar system the entire world into being he set it all in order and, and the, the picture here, the context is that it's man who creates disorder. And we have a God who is willing to judge that sin against Him when His creation turns its back on who He is. Humans earn the judgment. For those of you that were here last week, you remember Josh's illustration about the grade on the test. Oh, that teacher gave me the grade. Oh, I earned the bad grade. Two different things. It's humans who earn the judgment. Represents a blurry character, but a saved one. I'm going to explain to this what I mean by Lot being a blurry character. I want to, want to make a couple of connections first. In our culture, in our day, this is kind of difficult to relate to. God making a direct judgment, physically destroying an entire location. Now there are people who love to try to be God's mouthpiece when a hurricane happens or some event and to say, oh, this had to have happened because God was mad at these people or he's mad at us. And I get a little bit nervous when those sorts of things happen. Um, These angels came and warned biblical characters and God directly intervened and made it known that he was the one uh, meeting out this justice and this judgment on these people. So it's hard for us to imagine that. It might even be hard for some of us to imagine a group of people uh, taking physical pleasure by force. Maybe we've seen that in a, a movie. Unfortunately, it is the experience... Of some, but even for some of us, that may be, may be hard to, to think. And, and maybe some of you are, are probably thinking, well, I know uh, some people who are involved in, in a homosexual lifestyle, and I hope, uh, pastors, that you're not saying that, that all homosexuals behave the way that they do here, right here in this story in Sodom. Actually, no, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that all homosexual activity fits into this category. Again, I think that would be part of a a conversation where we would have to acknowledge some things. What I hope today comes out is that the good news of who Jesus is, the gospel, it's a call to leave sin. I want us to really focus our eyes on Lot's character, the heading of verse uh, chapter nineteen is "God rescues Lot." Don't get so caught up in the judgment that you miss the rescue, that you miss the character of our God. We could very easily make an argument that Lot deserved to go down with this ship. He's a blurry character, but God is a God of rescue when you see this in Second Peter this is how the apostle Peter follower of Jesus describes Lot if he rescued righteous Lot greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked for as that righteous man lived among them day after day he was tormenting his righteous soul over their lawless deeds that he saw and heard Look at that. We see a little bit inside of Lot's heart that there was some torment in him about the things that were going around. But we certainly still see, as Genesis 19 unfolds, we still see some blur. How do we see that? The first thing is, uh, he didn't stand against that mob. He offered up his daughters. That seems to us to be incomprehensible. How could he have done that? They're trying to force their way in. We would consider that outrageous and more violence than ensues. It only ups the ante from the crowd. What did God do? He rescued. If God was okay with everything that was going on in Sodom and Gomorrah, if he was okay with all this, there would be no need for destruction or rescue. Lot is a blurry character. How how else do we know that? His sons-in-law, to be, they thought he was joking. It finally comes time when God's judgment is going to arrive and be on the place, come upon the place, and and gets the message finally and says, Come on guys, it's time to get out of here. And they think he's joking. But he seemed to his sons-in-law to be jesting. Verse 14. And then in verse 16, but he lingered. And he continues to hesitate and try to make a deal about where he's going to go. and The the urgency of the judgment still has not caught him to a place where he says, I am out of here at the fastest speed possible. Yet, He's a blurry character, but he's a saved character. This is our God. He rescues. He showed kindness and patience. Did that leap off of the page at you like it did for me? Look at verse 16 again. But he lingered. What happens? So the men seized him and his wife and his two daughters by the hand, the Lord being merciful to him. And they brought him out and set him outside the city they had just mocked him for trying to insert himself as being the judge and here's the Lord saying no I'm the judge and I will show mercy to Lot he rescued let that be a message to each and every one of us wherever we are in our lives and our obedience that he will rescue he may show you patience he will help you if you have desires, feelings, that are sinful, or a hormonal mess, or whatever it happens to be, and it feels raw, and it feels like it will never change, I want to tell you today that God is powerful over it. He is patient. And He is loving, and He is merciful. And we see that in the way that He leads Lot out of this place He rescues. He can do this for any sinful, sexual desire. We should take this type of sin seriously. But we shouldn't underestimate God's ability. There will be a time when it will be too late. One day, the grace of God will run out. And there will be no second chance. This picture of judgment should grip our souls. A couple of challenges today. Can we admit that God judges sexual sin and that even at times in a culture that sexual sinfulness is wickedness? I have to say this. I don't want to say this, but there are elements of our cultural sexual values that are wickedness. Imagine a child abused by a member of the same sex, who now has confused sexual desires, isn't sure what to think, by no choice of their own. Increasingly, our society is moving to a place where that child is helpless, and it is illegal for them to seek therapy, to straighten out their sexual feelings. Our society is saying that would be that child's identity. I'm not making this up. Read it. Friends, there's a wickedness in that. And if you think that it is some faraway headline, do your research. In our city, there is a gender clinic at our children's hospital where over 80% of children patients go who express some sort of a confused gender desire. And over 80% of them, no matter their age, are injected with drugs to mimic the opposite hormones. When our children are vulnerable, friends, there is a wickedness in it. And I will never apologize for saying that, no matter the consequence. Can we admit today that God judges sexual sin? You might have heard that I went to Greece. Anybody know what this is? Parthenon. Parthenon. Greece, the, the bedrock. I passed junior high. I know Greece, right? They're the, the foundation of Western government and society. You want to know what I did when I went to Greece? I paid $30 to walk through their rubble. Sorry it was 30 euros probably closer to 40 bucks to walk through their rubble I think every society has the temptation to think that its current status and its current beliefs and values are the greatest there's a song that we sing here that was rolling through my mind walking through that rubble earthly kings and kingdoms will rise and have their day and like a mist they linger and forever fade away. Maybe today is a cultural zoom-out moment. The United States is not exempt from somebody paying 30 bucks to walk through our rubble. We need to admit that God will judge sexual sin. The good news is that He already has He sent his son Jesus in the greatest act of love and mercy ever known on this planet. He sent his own son to die in our place. He has judged all of our sin on a cross. And I can't point you to any civilization or to any sermon or to any thinker. I can point you to the word of God which shows throughout Genesis that there is no human who is going to be perfectly faithful to God. Abraham is one of the greatest Human beings and most prominent who ever lived on this earth. Study your ancient history. He is. And he's flawed. And he's fallen. And he needs a savior. And his name is Jesus. We all need a savior. And his name is Jesus. God judges sexual sin. He judges all of our sin. But I don't want us to to miss the ways in which it does leap off the page of Scripture as something that we should especially take to heart. As we close today, then, are we blurry? Or are we trying to get out? I cannot urge holiness enough when it comes to our sexuality. If you have failed sexually, repent today. God will forgive you. You're not a shameful, useless, whatever Satan is trying to tell you, you are. You can be made whole. You can be forgiven by God. You can have a relationship with Him that that brings amazing fruitfulness and joy. Young people, please consider today. Please consider these passages. Please commit to sexual purity until marriage. Kill the porn. Rage against it. Don't just get caught up in that everybody else is doing it. A while ago, a show that I loved it came back on television. I used to watch Designated Survivor when it was on ABC. I loved the show. I loved the character. It portrayed a president who had a spine and took a stand. And I loved it. It was very uh, clean for the most part. Uh, there was some violence in it. But it had a, 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 a figure who was worthy of looking at. Um, ABC canceled the show, I guess... Good morals don't get great ratings anymore. Uh, but Netflix picked it up, and I was so excited that this show was going to be back on television. But I found out when the new season was going to come on, and I found out that it was going to be three in the morning is when these things. I was so excited to watch this show, and I got up at three in the morning on the day it was supposed. And I'm, I, I start watching the first episode, and I don't think I made it through the third one. The content was so awful. I can't sit here and watch this in my living room knowing that I represent God to people. I can't do this. I want us to have something in us. I don't know where your standards are right now but I want today, could we consider where our standards are? Is part of rescue repentance? It should be. Where we, we run and we get out. We don't linger and think about, oh man, that was what Sodom was like, we're going to get to more of that next week. Let's be challenged today by God and His Word. I encourage you to repent. I would encourage you to turn to Jesus. He is capable. He is capable to forgive. There is a holiness that can bring us more joy than any sensual pleasure. Obedience, service, love, genuine love, all of these things can kill these desires if the Holy Spirit would come in us.